The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Pulse of Fins Nation. I am your host, Louis Song. Today, I am joined by Eric Weideke and Andy Romero, also of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We are all contributors to the Miami Dolphins team on that network. They will be joining me for this episode of Pulse of Fins Nation. Ron and Duke are continuing to take a vacation in the offseason. They'll be back later on this year. So these fine gentlemen have decided to step in, and I'm very happy to have them on. How are you guys? How are we feeling? Feeling great today. Feeling great. Feeling like I called the defensive coordinator hire at the end of last episode. Oh, did you now? <laughs> Is that, you were the one saying Anthony Weaver. I was. And what? Okay, so I guess, I guess we'll jump right into it real quick. I'll get to my sponsors in just a second, but uh, just a very, very quick, quick synopsis. Why did you immediately assume Anthony Weaver specifically out of everybody? Well, it wasn't an assumption so much as he was the guy that I that I thought would be the best fit for the job. I'll put that out there. I didn't, I didn't say Anthony Weaver is going to get it. I don't have any, any sources here. It's just a matter of, he was my personal favorite candidate out of everyone um, okay. that was mentioned to that point. All right. So I will get, we'll go ahead and I'll, uh, and if shortly I'll let you uh, kind of explain why you feel that way. But before that, as always got to mention that this show is brought to you by our good friends over there at factor meals. So this is part of the three yards per carry, um, partnership that we have going on right now so if you want to go ahead and get in on some really good meals that you can make very easily you can go to factormeals.com the guys at three yards per carry have a dedicated page over there all you have to do go to factormeals.com and use the promo code three yards per carry 50 you have to put the numbers so it's the number three yards per carry five zero as a promo code and you will get 50 percent off your first order again go to factormeals.com some really good healthy meals that you can make really quickly so that way you're going to be able to take care of dinner no matter what day it is and also you can go ahead and head over to black coral rum so that is a very distinctly south florida drink many of us after the season where it was over we're desperately in need of something to drown our sorrows in so to speak so you can go to get black coral rum and go to steeltiespirits.com to do it it's a distinctly south florida rum 
And of course, if you want to be able to get a smoke in, if that's something that you enjoy doing, then you can go ahead and go to dietsmoke.com that you can buy premium THC, Delta 8 THC, Delta 9 THC, and CBD online which for a beautiful balanced buzz. Use the promo code WADDLE and get 50% off any item when you do so. And again, that is dietsmoke.com. Uh, I'm going to be dead honest with you, gentlemen. I don't know any what any of those things mean. <laughs> I, they are they are not in my they're not in my wheelhouse. I'll say that I I have never been one to uh, to indulge myself in those enjoyments. But if that's something that you enjoy doing, you can go ahead and head on over there. They'll take care of you. Now, go. We'll go ahead and jump into a little bit more about what you were saying just now, uh, Eric. You said that Anthony Weaver was your personal favorite for the Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator job, and Sure enough, you got your you got your wish. So now you're going to have to explain yourself, sir. Why Anthony Weaver out of every other candidate that we'd heard of? So what I wanted was a guy, and and I think we can all agree that this coaching search was less about X's and O's than it was, and it was more about finding a guy that can really connect with his players and kind of get on the same page there. So I was I wasn't looking from like an X's and O's standpoint of oh I really love what Baltimore does defensively although I do like what Baltimore did defensively. Um, I go back to twenty the year before twenty twenty two, the Ravens were going through a very similar situation. Wink Martindale had left went to be the Giants. Remember he was a hot head coaching candidate for a little bit. They thought you know maybe he's going to be a head coach somewhere. He's kind of got this Vic Fangio aura about him where it's like, oh, man, if you've got Wink Martindale, you've got yourself a really good defensive coordinator. And he kind of left under similar circumstances. They felt that maybe he was a little stubborn. You know, he wasn't connecting with the players as well as he once did. Um, And so they eventually decided to part ways. So what does John Harbaugh do? He hires Mike McDonald away. um, And basically they changed the culture there. And Anthony Weaver was there. He got a front seat, front row seat for that. And I just see a lot of parallels with the Dolphins' current situation. Um, And I'm hoping that he can apply some of those same lessons that he saw in Baltimore, how to successfully initiate that culture change and really get on the same player, uh, get on the same page with his players and kind of get the defense moving in a positive direction. And I think that that's something that hopefully he can recreate down here in Miami, just because I think the situation is so similar. But the X's and O's weren't a concern of yours, really. Not particularly, because I think that this this defense, um, you know, realistically, what he plans on doing isn't going to be much different. Um, I don't think than what than what Fangio did after looking at it a little bit. The only thing that I think is going to change is that he is a lot more aggressive um, with the blitzes, which personally, to me. It's a preference thing. I enjoy an attacking style of defense rather than, you know, a defense that's going to be a little bit more patient. I I just tend to prefer that. Um, And I don't think schematically the Dolphins are, I think they're in a really good spot personnel-wise where their their players can kind of fit into any system. This is still very much the same defense that ran um, the the Flores kind of system a couple years ago. There haven't been that many changes since then. Of course, you do have Jalen Ramsey in, in the defensive backfield, but I don't think anybody's saying that he can't play press man corner. Um, and then a guy like Cam Smith might be better suited for a defense like that. Um, and you look at the other players that were on this team at the same time, you still have Wilkins here, you still have Sealer. Jalen Phillips was a part of those teams. There's just not a lot of 
change with the personnel, even from what it was two years ago to what it was uh, last year under Fangio. So I don't, I don't really, like I said, I'm not too worried about the X's and O's portion of it. All right. So you're not necessarily worried about the X's and O's portion of it, and that's fine, but we do have to understand that there are certain things that we have to keep an eye on when it comes to play people like Anthony Weaver. He was a, he was a assistant coach with the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens. And just looking up what, cause we, cause we've heard about this. We've heard about, I'm sure we've all looked into it by now. We were basically looking to see who was, who was, where did everybody rank at the time where Anthony Weaver was a defensive coordinator with the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans was 27 out of 32 with Anthony Weaver in charge of that defense. Now, some might argue that Anthony Weaver's defense was woefully, and I do mean woefully under-talented, that there were not a very a lot of very good players on that 2020 team. And that may be true. So now we have a Miami Dolphins defense that, at least on paper, as it stands right now, is a lot more talented. There is one pending issue, which is that Christian Wilkins, is, he might be gone in the offseason. I hope with all with all my heart and soul that he manages to come back, that they come to some kind of an understanding, because I firmly believe that if the Miami Dolphins want to be able to keep their defense up and running, they desperately need to hang on to Christian Wilkins. He is the heart and soul of this defense. I will stand by that. And if they don't keep him, then they're going to be struggling to find somebody who can replace him. Because as much as I love Zach Sealer, I do. I really do believe that part of the reason Zach Sealer was so successful was because he was playing next to Christian Wilkins. I think that has something to do with it. And to say otherwise, I just feel like is taking away too much from what Christian Wilkins actually contributes to this roster. So you have Anthony Weaver. And I'm hoping that he's going to look at the film. He's going to look at everything that Miami has done over the past couple of seasons. And he will go ahead and look at Chris Greer and say, listen, do whatever you got to do to be able to get this guy back. But I need this guy back. You look at the defensive fronts that they had in Baltimore. They're physical, tough. They're, They're rough and tumble. They will mess with you. They will absolutely tear you to shreds. If you remove Christian Wilkins from the equation, that's basically a massive piece of the defense you just removed that is probably the most similar to what Baltimore is all about. Anthony Weaver, I'm hoping, is going to look at this and say, yes, I want to keep Christian Wilkins. Now, Andy, I'm going to get your thoughts on this whole thing because there were a lot of options that Miami had to choose from. Brandon Staley, he's still looking for a job. So he he obviously is uh, not getting he, – he apparently is not getting that many looks because if, he's, if we chose Anthony Weaver over Staley, who was a head coach last season, and presumably he and Mike McDaniel know each other, and presumably Jalen Ramsey basically put out a public endorsement of Brandon Staley, and we went with Weaver anyway. So what is your thoughts on this whole situation? And uh, yeah, go ahead and unmute yourself. Well, I'm with Eric, and I'm very glad about the hire. Um, it feels good to get a piece of that Baltimore Ravens identity and bring it to your side. I think this is the first time, in, in, at least in – and my fandom as a Dolphin fan in the last decade plus, where we inherit a piece of a coaching staff from the, the Baltimore Ravens. We get that toughness, that mentality, and bring it into our side. You know, if 
countless, it feels like every other year we have a game against the Ravens and we get spanked. Besides that one incredible comeback we did last year, it, you, it gets tiresome to continue to see Ravens on the schedule and you know you're going to lose by three-plus scores in an embarrassing fashion because the other team is just tougher than you, stronger than you. They beat you in the line of scrimmage. To be able to bring that now to our side of the ball is exciting. It's exciting to play a physical brand of defense again. It's exciting to hopefully see less zone, more man, especially for our two top corners, depending what happens with Howard in the offseason. It's exciting to see hopefully that this could rejuvenate, especially the young guys on the defense, you know, Holland, Smith, maybe even Channing Tindo. Hopefully guys like that get more opportunities if they earn them. And it just feels like the defense as a whole will take this as a fresh breath, a breath of fresh air. You know, it looks like they're changing styles from the, the rigid style that Vic Fangio brought over, even though he's been a very successful coach throughout the NFL. And with us, he was very successful. But bringing a different style, maybe closer to the style that uh, McDaniel carries and the the culture that he's carrying around and trying to build, it's exciting to see bringing in a coach younger who who will emphasize that. All righty. So, and make sure we're going to make sure that we get into the comments as well. I see Cap for Life in there. He's uh, talking about some things and we'll try to bring it up to discussion a little bit later on in the show. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for a place to be able to interact with some really cool Dolphins fans, make sure you go to OnlyFins, only $3 a month. It's the three YPC official Discord server to be able to hang with some folks and get some inside information that you may not be able to get normally. So, Eric and Andy, I don't know if you guys are in there, but I would highly, heavily consider it just to. Just to throw that out there. So for my part on this whole Anthony Weaver thing, I don't know very much about him other than the fact that he was an, he's a Baltimore Ravens assistant coach. He's learned a lot. He was the assistant head coach with the Baltimore Ravens. So he was right there with John Harbaugh. I'm sure he's learned a lot. Um, for his part, J.J. Watt has come out and said that he has great respect for Anthony Weaver. So I guess that's a good thing. Um. I personally would say if JJ Watt loves him so much, why does he come uh, do a pass rushing? Uh, he want to become a coach. You want to you want to teach our pass rushers to rush the passer? That would be a that would be ideal. So uh, and Cap for Life is currently bringing. We don't even know what type of scheme this guy is bringing from Baltimore. He was hearing a four three. So the question you would have to ask yourself, Cap, would be. What exactly is it that the 2020 Texans utilized? Because that is the last time that he was a defensive coordinator. So if I'm I'm going to go ahead and just look it up real quick and see if maybe there's an easy answer, because I have not had the uh, the opportunity to really dig into some film. I know Alfa, uh, Alfredo Arteaga has been able to. Um, I will also say that based on what he saw, and this is kind of an OnlyFans thing, he was not thrilled with what he saw, but things change. And obviously people can learn. He's saying all the right things. He's saying, talking about physicality, he's talking about teaching players. He's talking about making sure that the players themselves are the core of the defense. It's not necessarily the scheme, which is all the right things to say. You want to build your defense around the players that you have and not try to make them fit the scheme for better or worse. And if they don't fit the scheme, you don't look for veterans that you trust, so to speak, to make your scheme work. That was part of the frustration with Vic Fangio, I feel like, was that Fangio had his scheme. He was Vic Fangio. You don't question Vic Fangio's scheme because it is the Vic Fangio scheme. It is the scheme of the NFL. 
And when players were not fitting with what Fangio wanted, instead of going with Cam Smith, who felt frustrated over the fact that he wasn't even getting any looks to play, they went with Eli Apple. And Eli Apple, listen, he had his moments. I'm trying to be nice. He had his moments. But overall, throughout the season, we were frustrated with Eli Apple's capability of playing cornerback. We didn't like what we were seeing. We were not getting a, a lot of Nick Needham. We did not know why. Maybe it was because his health wasn't fully there. That's always a possibility. We were not getting a lot of just a lot of potential out of these players. And players that we assumed were supposed to be really good, Javon Holland, out of nowhere, just fell off a cliff. And I know that he's uh, he, he posted that video shortly after Fangio's um, moving on to the next team and of, of, the, of the rock kicking, if you remember. Obviously, it didn't take long for somebody to tell him to walk that back because he's saying, that's what, what I was referring to. I wasn't talking about Vic Fangio and telling him to leave. And, oh, yeah, yeah you know, we know how the politics work. So maybe he's telling the truth. I personally don't think he is, but we'll never know. The real, we'll never really know. But that's just how politics works. So... I personally feel like a lot of these players are looking forward to the idea of being able to play with a coach that to some to some extent understands them, can get down and dirty with them. Vic Fangio was not going to get down on one knee and then like push the cart with them, you know? Then he wasn't going to get with them. Weaver can do that. Weaver could still play, I guess you could say, if you really wanted him to. And he will definitely I think he's going to be the kind of defensive coordinator who's going to be down there on the field with them instead of hiding in a booth away from where all the action is happening. I think, I feel like that's the kind of defensive coordinator that players respect that players can relate to. Cause now you're down there, you're in the war with them. You're not watching them. Like it's a Madden game and you're just trying to control them from up above. So in that regard, Weaver fits the culture. That's what we talked about last week is that Fangio's culture of what the dolphins were trying to do does not fit. What Fangio was doing is this is a my way or the highway situation. And I know that Cap for Life and some others were talking about, well, Andy Reid's the same way. Yeah, no, Andy Reid is my way or the highway, but he adapts to what he's doing. If something is not working, he doesn't keep slamming it against the brick wall, trying to get it to break down. He'll change it. He'll fix it. He'll adjust it. He'll switch it. Yeah, he's the coach. He is unquestionably the man in charge, but he doesn't, he's not rigid. He'll he'll he he'll he'll go with the ebbs and flows if he sees that it's warranted. Fangio wasn't doing that. And there were a lot of players that were frustrated with their roles saying, I'm really good at doing this thing. Why are you trying to make me do this other thing that I am not good at? Jalen Ramsey, perfect example. Jalen Ramsey wanted to shadow other players. Jalen Ramsey wanted to shadow Stefan Diggs. Jalen Ramsey wanted to shadow everybody's number one wide receiver. He wasn't allowed to. And that in the in that I'll tell you what that Buffalo Bills game with Cater Kohu and we kept and we and the stubbornness of Vic Fangio was on full display in that game because no matter how many times Diggs roasted Kohu they just kept throwing him out there go this is your job just stop sucking at it that's basically what Fangio was saying he wasn't trying to fix it he wasn't trying to adjust it he wasn't acknowledging the mismatch and it's sad to say it was a mismatch. Cater Kohu could not cover Stefan Diggs one-on-one. It wasn't working, and Fangio wasn't doing anything to fix it. That's where a lot of the stubbornness and frustration came from. And we questioned him then. When Jalen Ramsey came back, it kind of hid a lot of those, I guess, shortcomings that the defense was having because it's Jalen Ramsey. 
you you have Jalen Ramsey out there suddenly it erases a whole side of the field. But that didn't keep it going forever because you still had when Xavier Howard was in there. Okay, great. But then what happens when he's injured, which unfortunately he ended up getting hurt again. And Andy, you were talking about what's going to happen to him. I think he's gone. I think he's done. I think he's done in Miami. We're going to try to get something for him. We'll maybe try to, we'll settle for like a fourth or a fifth round pick or something along those lines for the, uh, the tail end of Xavier Howard's career or because he's not taking no pay cut. He absolutely 100% will never, ever take a pay cut. This is the same man who after one year of signing his new contract was screaming that he wanted a new contract. So there's no way he's ever taking a pay cut. So Xavier Howard's going to have to go. Which means Cam Smith is going to get his opportunity, I think. Which we'll see if that works out. We saw we liked a lot of what we saw from him early on. Anthony Weaver has an opportunity to really set the stage with some talented players. These are not Joe Schmoes, and this is not a rebuilding year like with the Houston Texans, which have feel like they've been rebuilding ever since God knows, like for ten years. It feels like they've been rebuilding up until the point where it it, it hasn't been that long since Deshaun Watson left. But even when Watson was there, there were some times where the Texans just felt like they were irrelevant. And now you have an opportunity with some really good players here. Jalen Ramsey is on the team. Uh, even if Wilkins leaves, you still have Zach Sealer. You still have Jalen Phillips. You still have uh, Bradley Chubb. You still have Javon Holland. Deshaun Elliott is probably going to get brought back. I would bring him back. He had a fantastic year. Um, and you have, for, for the first time, in Mike McDaniel's tenure, you actually have a full treasure trove of draft picks to choose from. You're not gonna, you're not trading your first round pick for expensive talent. So we're actually gonna get a first rounder out of it. So we have options. I'm very interested to see what Weaver does, if only to see if the the new culture. I I suspect that Weaver and McDaniel are going to work together. They're not going to work in opposite ends of the of the facility on opposite ends of the clock. That that whole concept to me just seemed like it it was we ignored all the red flags. Andy, I talked about this last week with Eric. We ignored all the red flags because it was Vic Fangio. He was the, he was the supermodel that you never thought you would be able to date, and then he came and he gave you a, he he decided to take pity on you. He did. He wanted to go to Philly. He took pity on us because his preferred choice, his first pick to go to date for the prom reject that was not able to go so they decided to go with us instead and so now we have and it didn't work out because vander didn't really want to be there so we'll get a little bit more into that and then we'll start getting into some comments uh cat for life i know he's still uh waiting for us to address some of the things that he said but andy let's get your thoughts on the whole vic fangio thing do you feel am i am i overselling the the non-fit that was Vic Fangio and the Dolphins, or do you feel like that I'm uh, that maybe I'm right on the money? No, I agree with you 100%. That analogy was perfect. It's like when you get that baddie, and you're like, oh, I got my baddie, and then damn, but she kind of stinks, and damn, she's still talking to her ex, and damn, like she doesn't even know how to do anything except be hot. Like, what's the point? Fangio, I think in a, in a way, he brought some positives to the team. I, the players would say, well, with all the negatives and the personality traits, ignore my dog, sorry, and all the personality traits he had going on, the, he did teach, especially the young guys, a lot of things. He has a wealth of knowledge. He'll forget more about football than any of us will ever know in our entire lifetimes three times. However, like you said, it wasn't just a personality fit with the players. It was with 
even the head coach, you were mentioning earlier, he was very rigid with his ways. Like you said, he would have a game plan. And the few times that it didn't work, he would just ram it through the wall, ram it through the wall instead of adjusting, maybe even adjusting to some of the suggestions his own players were giving about their own skill set of saying, hey, look, I can cover this guy one-on-one, put me on one-on-one. For X, Y reason, his scheme and his plan was the one thing he stuck to it. I think that's going to be a fresher breath of air. Like, as we've learned, especially in Miami sports, you know, we see it with the Heat. We saw it this year with the Dolphins. The brotherhood and the power of friendship, as we like to say sometimes, um, has a big impact on performance. Like, sometimes you have five all-stars on a starting five or a bunch of pro bowlers on the team, and the team goes nine and eight, ten and seven. You say, what the heck is this? And then you see other teams outperform their expectations when on paper there's just a bunch of scrubs like i would say for example the packers outperformed heavily their projections this year but that team matched it how was cohesive everybody believed in each other and this team for the most part did and you know there was just a little bit of of friction on the defensive side of the ball unfortunately so i think that breath that fresh that breath of fresh air will be welcomed especially by the younger players and I think we can see the defense take another step forward, not only just because we, we changed offensive coordinator, we probably going to be changing scheme, but because a lot of the younger players are going to continue to progress. We're going to see stuff from Ken Smith. He was a number one corner in the SEC. He, he can ball. He can play. He was, he was one of the top corners selected in that draft. I have high hopes on him. Javon Holland's going to keep progressing, and hopefully he won't have so much on his plate where he can continue to perform that he has in the past. That was an issue for him this year that Angio put so much on him that maybe he wasn't really able to fully um, take advantage of his, of his abilities because mentally he was all over the place. And things like that. I think a lot of players will benefit. I think the defense will benefit. And I think the team as a whole, the vibes will be better. All right. So now I'm going to go ahead and we'll get into some of the comments that are coming in because not all of them are uh, based on the defense. I I feel like we've firmly covered that we're happy with the Anthony Weaver from at least from a cultural standpoint, we'll see what, how many X's and O's he's learned from his time spent with the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like he probably has learned a lot personally. I think that there's uh, some good hope that he, he can, he can get the job done. If only because, just because he sucked once as a defensive coordinator doesn't mean you're doomed to suck forever. So with any luck, things will work out there. So now we're going to get into some of the comments, and most of them right now are cap for life, uh, making sure that he wants to get his voice heard. Um, we'll talk about this real quick. He made a comment. Are you guys hearing what I'm hearing about Jalen Waddle not being happy? So I'm guessing that this has come from a report from, or I should say a, uh, an opinion, I, I, I guess, because I haven't heard any actual reporters making this claim, but there was one other podcast, a, a, a rival podcast, if you will, that basically made the suggestion that Jalen that um, Jalen Waddle is not particularly happy with his role in the Miami Dolphins offense. Now, for what it's worth, and I don't think this is a bad thing to say, the the, the folks at Three Yards Per Carry have said zero about anything regarding that. So personally, if I don't hear otherwise, I'm thinking that that's nothing. I think that that's conjecture. I know that there was a report in 2022 that 
Jalen Waddle was frustrated with how the defense was handling or how the offense was handling other things. Like, for instance, maybe they were frustrated that they weren't. He wasn't. He was frustrated that uh, he wasn't getting uh, that many looks. But you understand that that's Tyreek Hill. Now, if this is a just a, a if this is just a retread of a report that happened last year, then we can revisit it if you want. I don't think that I personally feel like at this point, the best thing that you can do is I think the best thing you can do is just go ahead and just keep going. Jalen Waddle is going to get his. Nobody's going to cheat him out of any money just because Tyreek Hill is on the team. Everybody recognizes what kind of a player Jalen Waddle is. So I don't think there's anything to worry about on that front. He's still on his rookie deal. He might want more money. I would want more money. I would absolutely want to get paid at some point, especially if Tua is going to get paid. So in that regard, I would say, yeah, I would want to, I would try to, I would make a stink if only to be able to get paid, but there's no, there is no, there's no reports of anything like that happening. So I personally feel like that's, that's a whole lot of nothing. Have any of you guys heard anything regarding Jalen Waddle being unhappy with his role in this team? Go, go ahead, Andy. No, you're fine. Please. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, probably the same kind of like whispers, you know, the game of telephone that goes around on social media. I heard this person said this thing. This person said that thing. Um, Is it is it out of the realm of possibility? No, because I think we all at some point this season collectively said to ourselves, well, maybe to us targeting Tyreek just a little bit too much. Um, we've we've all kind of had that thought at one point or another, and I'm sure it's gone through Jalen Waddle's head. I'm not saying that it, you know, I, I'm not in his head. I can't say what he thinks. Um, but I do think that in the context of of a contract is when is where the conversation gets interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Not necessarily if he wants out, because I don't think he does or anything like that. I don't think he's, you know, if he's unhappy, I think it's just to the point of, man, I wish they would just throw me the ball a little bit more, which I'm sure every wide receiver feels that way. Um, you know, ask about this isn't this isn't Stefan Diggs in Baltimore throwing a tantrum every offseason, you know, wondering whether or not he's gonna stay or go. Um, so it's not it's not to that level. Um I I would believe it if I mean if it were the case it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me but I don't I don't think that that's really uh it's not it's not a story at this point at least not a big enough one to talk about um 
his contract down the road. Now that's where it gets interesting when you look at who needs to get paid and if Christian Wilkins gets paid and X, Y, and Z and, and how to make that work. It's not my money, so I'm not going to uh, count it, but it does get interesting when you get into that aspect of it, but I don't, I don't think there's anything there to this really. Does Andy have anything to say about this? No, I, I totally agree with Eric. You made amazing points. And I think you, you can dissect it in a couple of ways if you really want to. You know, Waddle behaved very well. Like Eric was saying, he wasn't a Stefan Diggs and complaining and moaning about it on the sidelines, making a big show about it. He was very professional about it. And that's something we should appreciate for him because most receivers don't know how to turn off that diva and, you know, contain their emotions. Maybe he made a big show about it in the locker room or in the film sessions, but in the field that was never noticeable. And his play never slowed down because he wasn't getting enough targets. To one sense, I think in his mind, he knows, hey, look, I got Tyreek Hill on my team. He's one of the best receivers of all time. My numbers are going to go down a little bit. You know, like year one, he got 100-plus receptions as a rookie. I'm pretty sure that was a rookie record, NFL record. So to go from the focal point of an offense to second fiddle, it's difficult. The first year wasn't as, as much because Waddle was still getting plenty of targets. This year, you can tell coming into the season, you know, between Tua, Tyreek, and, and McDaniel, they really wanted to get that record. That was a real goal for Tyreek to get the, the yardage record. He said, he said as much coming into the year. And they, got, they, they, they succeeded in the sense that they, all, they got very close to it. If he doesn't miss that game, I believe it was week 14 or 15, he might have gotten it. Um, but hopefully we don't do that again where even though it's successful, where you kind of handicap the offense and, and force feed a player, how many times did we review on film, you know, Smythe open and down the seam, Waddle open, w- Wilson open, wide open, and we're, we're forcing the double coverage into Tyreek, even though sometimes the play would work. You know, you, you don't want to force feed a player. You don't want to lock down on one guy when your whole offense is, is making opportunities and open plays for other players. So that probably did frustrate Waddle, you know, but I don't think it's good. I think it's a non-issue. I think it's a non-story. I don't think he's going to ask out. I don't think he's going to make a big deal about it. And I don't think it's going to be an issue this year. Yeah, I'm not foreseeing anything like that either. So to answer your question, Cap, I don't think that the Jalen Waddle thing is an actual thing. Like nobody's talked about it. I've only seen one podcast bring it up. I, I just... I don't think Jalen Waddle being unhappy is something is a, really a concern at this point. Now, if the offseason continues and something comes up that says, "Oh, Jalen Waddle wants more, uh, wants more money," of course he wants more money. Doesn't everybody want more money? <laughs> I would want more money. I still, I do want more money. <laughs> like somebody give me more money. I would love more. You hear money. that, Ethan? He wants more money. <laughs> Listen. I'm very grateful to the Five Reasons Sports Network for everything they allow me to do. I will say that. In any case. Um, Cap also wanted to talk about briefly free that free agency is weak and the draft class is suspect. So what move do you guys feel we need to put us over the top? He feels like we need a red zone target, at least six foot something receiver, tight end person. All right. Um, full disclosure. If you're looking for a six foot something hybrid receiver person, um, well, first of all, Cedric Wilson is six, two. So you can always just bring him back, but I don't think we want to do that. So keep that in mind. Uh, as far as the tight end position goes, I really do not believe that this offense, 
I, I would love a tight end. I've made I've made it a point to say I would love to be able to give to a, a tight end, just a, a, a big target who can not just block, but do the incredible catches a la Travis Kelsey. I would love to give to a, his version of a Travis Kelsey. That would be fantastic. But if you're just looking for big, if you're looking for just big, strong, tight end kind of guys, listen, Julian Hill is 6'4". We saw that he can make some catches. He was an undrafted rookie. He he played a lot better than anybody thought he would. So you can give him that. Um, you can always try to bring back Chase Claypool again. He's six four. He's got physical talent. The the talent is not a question. The dude is phenomenally physically gifted. It's a, it's his head. That <laughs> doesn't make sense. So that's the part of it that's difficult. Now there are other options that Miami has at their disposal. You can go ahead and you just look down the list here. Um, I'm just trying to look because on the uh, the injured reserve, that's where a lot of players ended up landing. Um, Eric Ezekama. Eric Ezekama has been hanging around. Like he's six two, and he was doing some incredible stuff before his uh, non football injury. We're hoping that it, he'll. We ho- I hope he'll come back because he was really getting me excited. I, before. I, I I have heard that he is expected to. Uh, they said that he's expected to play again and expected to be at camp. And oh yeah, it wasn't wasn't he uh, putting out videos that says New Year, New Me, or something along those lines? He'll be like he's coming back. Like well, that's that's a good thing. We have Eric Ezekama to look forward to, and maybe he'll be able to he'll be able to contribute in some way because I think he can do some fantastic. He was already, he was already showing to do. Go ahead. It it was cool because they were showing, uh, you know, I know that this has been this whole, this whole thing has played out where it's like, he's our Debo, but he was at the beginning of the season in the first two or three games, McDaniel was showing things where he was putting them in motion and he was in the backfield and he was doing different things with him that lead you to believe that maybe he was supposed to be a, a, at least a decent part of this offense this year that, you know, you've scrapped, you know, maybe a sixth, the seventh and eighth of the playbook away, just because, you know, you don't have that weapon. So I'm, I'm at least interested to see kind of where that would have gone uh, with a guy like that. Yeah. And, and Eric is again, another very physically talented player who just hasn't had luck go his way. He was one of those future picks that Chris Greer invested. So it needs to invest. It needs to pay off at some point for its account. But Ezekama, at least last year, was very promising. I personally, and this is just my opinion with the whole situation, if Miami wants to give Tua the best chance of success, and I've 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 flip flopped on this. I've 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 wobbled on this. I've fig- tried to debate with myself what the best course of action would be. But at this point, I feel like I'm 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 going to stay rock solid with my opinion as it is right now. I'm about, it is now February 6th, 2024, and I am going to stick with this opinion. I'm not going to flip it later on. If you want Tua to have the most success possible, and I do mean the most success possible, forget all that other stuff that we'd heard from Mike McDaniel about how Tua needs weapons more than anything else. We've seen what the weapons can do. We've seen what Tua can do with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. It is phenomenal. You want Tua to reach elite status and stay there for once? Put a wall in front of him. Seriously, I, I, I'm 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 done playing this game of oh we'll we'll just kind of cheat our way through the year by getting the ball out in two seconds or less. I, I'm done with that. You, wh- who are the two teams that are in the pl- in the Super Bowl this year? It's Kansas City and it's San Francisco. What do they both have? 
You guys are muted. I want I want answers. I, I want actual answers from you guys. What do they have? You know the answer. Uh, charm. No, they have don't. They have no, no charm. No. They yeah, have none. I, 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 I hate I, Kansas City. I hate Kansas City I'll, more I'll, this I'll, year than any other year. Right. I, I I know I know the right answer here. They but they have great offensive lines. Did you guys see that highlight, Andy? I don't. You weren't here last show. I, I might have mentioned it last year, last week with Eric, but I don't remember. D- did you see that highlight that the NFL put on their Twitter? Of wow, he had ten seconds to throw the ball, and even then, all Mahomes could do was find a five yard little dunk to Kelsey, who still had to die for it to make the catch. By the way, ten seconds. Has Tua ever had 10 seconds to throw in his entire lifetime? Never mind in the NFL. Has even Alabama been able to give him 10 seconds to find a target? That's insane. And that's what these teams, these top teams, they have that at their disposal. When Baltimore, Baltimore's offensive line, phenomenal, fantastic, incredible. Lamar doesn't have to run. He likes to run. That's his thing. He's very good at it. He doesn't have to run. He's not forced to run. He can sit back there and look for a target all he wants. The 49ers, same deal. Brock Purdy, most of the time, does not have to run around. Every once in a while, he has to, yes. But every every player eventually has to. There's always a breakdown at some point. But for the most part, he's very content to just kind of sit back there and chill and find a target. All these, almost every single team that made it to the playoffs this year, with the exception of Miami and a couple others, have had top 10, top 5 offensive line units. It's always the trenches that matter in the end. So, and and I and for those of you who are probably listening to this right now, and you're probably you, whether it's on the three yards per carry podcast feed or you're listening to this live as I'm talking about it, it's it's not an excuse to say that Tua needs an offensive line. It it isn't because every quarterback needs an offensive line. Patrick Mahomes has an offensive line. Have they ever not given Patrick Mahomes like what you? they rebuilt the offensive line. I think the year they lost the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Yes. When right. he, when Mahomes had to throw like from a 90 degree angle because he was running for his life. Uh, Cause he had no offensive line. And they lost that year. They yeah. lost the Super Bowl because Mahomes couldn't get the job done. <gasps> Patrick Mahomes couldn't get the job done. Oh my God. Yeah. Duh. This is not hard to figure out. And the first thing the Kansas City Chiefs did when they saw that that was a problem, they invested millions of worth of draft capital, of free agent money. They made a wall for Patrick Mahomes. And look, it works. Here they are again, inexplicably, with weapons that most players wouldn't even, most teams would not even have as their third option. And they're making it work because Patrick Mahomes can kind of, I mean, the coverage is going to break down eventually. Somebody's down there. I'll find them. Don't worry. You can afford to do that. Tua can't do that. And it's not that Tua is incapable. Tua physically does not have that luxury. Because Tua has to get the ball out in two seconds or he's going to get squashed. Or he has to run. Either way, you can't really focus on finding a target. And understand that when you have a player, and I, I I can say this and admit it, it's not a crime. Tua is a physically limited player. He's not an athlete like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. He's not somebody who's going to be able to run uh, halfway down the field within 10 seconds because the dude is that's that incredible. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact numbers of it because I'm just trying to make my point. The idea 
that Tua is a limited athlete. Yes, he is. But understand that with that physical, with that limited athlete, you still have a certain superpower as uh, the three Arthur Carey people like to bring up. Tua has the uncanny ability to fit balls in the seams that they shouldn't be able to fit into. He can find an open receiver in a place where any other quarterback would look at it and say, there's three guys around there. How can I throw it there? And with any level of confidence, but he does because he knows the guy's going to be there throwing with anticipation. We scream to the heavens in frustration because Ryan Tannehill would throw to bodies instead of actually to spots where the body is about to be. And now here we are with a quarterback that does that better than almost any quarterback in the NFL, maybe even the best. And we're saying, eh, we don't want it. Because why? Because he's not Patrick Mahomes. But if your golden standard is Patrick Mahomes, you're, you're not going to see it again in your lifetime. I'm sorry. You're just not. You're not. He's like, he, he, he is somebody that I have never seen in my lifetime. There are Dolphins fans out there who have flipped on their stance that Marino is the best they've ever seen because Patrick Mahomes exists. That's how good he is. So if you're waiting for that, don't don't bother. You're wasting your time. Tua is left-handed Drew Brees. And anybody who's going to come out here and say that that's not him, that is literally his ceiling. He is Drew Brees. And for all his physical limitations, Drew Brees won a Super Bowl. He was He's a Hall of Famer. Or at least he, I don't know. Has he been voted into the Hall of Fame yet? Or has he not been done that yet? He's a shoe in. No, okay. So he's not in there yet, but he will be. Yeah. And there's no, there's no question about whether Drew Brees is going to be a Hall of Fame or not. Of course he is. He was one of the best quarterbacks of the NFL history. He'll be, uh, but for, for anybody wondering, he's got eligible to be enshrined in Canton in 2026. So that's the time that he'll be able to get in there. But I digress. Tua has the capability of being a left handed Drew Brees. With all the perks and all the drawbacks that come with it, Drew Brees, he he was somebody who had in, injury concerns. He was somebody who uh, there were questions about him before he ended up becoming a Hall of Fame guy in New Orleans. the 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 career trajectory is scarily similar, and it would be you want to talk about that? So Dolphins, the, oh, with so Dolphins, we stay with a quarterback for another seven years instead of looking for the next best thing. No, it would be so Dolphins is to have Drew Brees in your pocket after missing out on him the first time, and you decided he wasn't good enough, and you dumped him just like the Chargers did, and now they were regretting that very move later down the line. That would be that so Dolphins. That's why I personally feel like I would extend to a. I've seen people saying, "Oh, fifth-year option, tag him." No, I'm convinced. I've seen enough. When everything is on point, Tua plays better than almost every quarterback in the league. When, but that's when everything is on point. I get that. You're looking for off-script plays. An offense should not have to play off-script all the time, don't you think? Like having the capability of doing so is good, but your offense should not be concerned about whether it's going to be an off-script play every other play. If there's, if that's the case, and your offense is struggling to move the ball because your quarterback has to play off script. I'm going to start looking at the offense and think something there is flawed. Something is wrong with the offense. If every other play, your quarterback has to pull off a miracle to make sure that the, it doesn't, it's not a three and out. It's not necessarily like, I guess just to, it's not even really a pushback. Cause I agree with your premise that an offense should not have to play off script all the time. I guess it's just that those off-script plays are usually such large momentum swings in the game 
You know, it's not necessarily that Josh Allen has to run for 20 yards every single play, but I think we can all think to a time at least once or twice, almost once or twice a game every time we play Buffalo, it feels like the Dolphins will have the Bills third and 17, and then Josh Allen will get outside the pocket and run for 17 and a quarter of a yard. Um, and And that's where the frustration comes from, is that those plays that are off script they tend to be really memorable because they tend to be huge momentum shifts in the game. Um, but you're right. You sh- that shouldn't have to be. How many plays did Peyton Manning make off script? How many plays did Drew Brees really make off script? Like those didn't happen. Tom Brady and made so, a career out of playing on script. That whole offense right. was, was dedicated to being perfectly on script all the time. Like if Tom Brady was, if you ever saw Tom Brady running for any reason, except for maybe a QB dive, something was horribly wrong. So to act like it can't work anymore. I, I've, 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 I'll admit, I have kind of flip-flopped on this a little bit too. I've, I've said things in the past about how you need to have an athletic quarterback in this day and age to be a truly successful team. I want Tua to run more. Make no mistake about it. I don't buy this whole idea of Tua can't run. He can. He already, we've already seen it. I still remember when he shouldered, uh, he, tr- he trucked a, a, a New York Jets defensive player with his shoulder, and he didn't even blink. He was fine. He was one, He was great. And he bulked up this year even more. He easily could have trucked that same dude again. <laughs> so I want Tua to run more. I, I don't, I'm get, I get tired of this whole concept of, if Tua gets hit once, it's going to be the end of his career. We're, we're past that now. He just played his first full season in his career. We are past the concept of Tua needs to be protected from himself, that Tua needs to be protected from ever getting hurt ever, that Tua needs to avoid trying to make plays because if he ends up getting hurt, oh, you never know. You, you're playing scared if you're going to do that. Because if, if you're going to do that, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, at that point, if you're that scared that Tua's going to get hurt, then yeah, I say move on from him, but only because you feel like he won't survive. I'm not concerned about that. Tua's already proven it. He's done everything within humanly possible means to be able to negate any issues with his injuries. He's not going to, I don't, he, I can't, I don't want to say never because you never know, but Tua has done everything he can to keep himself from ending up getting hurt. I want Tua to start running more. I want him to start taking more risks with his legs because there have been many times where we see a first down with his legs and he still tries to throw the football because that's just what he's expected to do. They don't want him to take that hit, get rid of the ball. It's not yours to get tackled with. So that needs to stop. Tua can run. I don't need him to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I don't need him to run 10 times a game. But when the time comes and Tua needs to scramble, I want him to try to get some yards instead of trying to run around desperately trying to find an open receiver where there probably isn't going to be one. Because again, Tua throws the ball quick. That's part of how the offense works. That's how the offense is schemed. You don't want it to be off script all the time. If Tua's running, that usually means something went wrong. So if you have to go off script, I want him to have that option. But most of the time, and this is for any offensive scheme, you want him to play within the scheme. Can either of you name me a single team that wouldn't want their offense to remain in the scheme that was planned out? Unless the scheme is just run around like a chicken with your head cut off because that's the best thing we've got. 
No, you can't name a single one. And I totally agree with your, your points about the Drew B comparisons left-handed. You look back at the offensive lines at the same time, especially during their, their deep playoff runs, their Super Bowl runs. Which Teron Armstead was have, a part of. <laughs> so I don't mention yeah. that. You know, you, you have prime Jerome Bershrod, Carl Nix, Javier Evans, two prime guards, one of the best guards in the game, protecting a shorter quarterback so he could focus on the middle of the field, something Drew Brees is great at. And you go back to Tool's film, even in his early NFL years and in college, he did well off script. He did well in a scramble drill. It's just we haven't given him an offensive line to, capable of, of giving him four, five, six seconds to let the defense break down and offensive players move around and get open. We give him that. Like, the offense was schemed two, two seconds or less, two and a half seconds or less this year out of necessity. That was the plan probably between Chris Greer and McDaniel. Hey, look, I couldn't get you offensive linemen, but I have a, I have a solution. I'll just do this. It doesn't have to be completely one way. I bet you McDaniel knows how to scheme the offense a little bit differently you know he, he schemed that great 49ers offense that went to the super bowl he helped create Debo samuel's greatest offensive product production year he's a very open-minded so if we can get him some big boys down the middle specifically if ron Armstead can can put together one more decent year at least at least 12 to 13 games austin jackson continues to progress and we, and we solidify the middle of the field hopefully you know, Connor Williams can come back at 100%. I think that that will help immensely because since the first second, first or second week, I think we lost Isaiah Wynn, who was doing great in the few snaps that he played. That that breaks down the offense as well. Like, give him time to examine the field and all these stupid mindsets that he's a one-read QB or he breaks down after the first read or he can't move around, he can't create, like, I think they'll little by little, just like he dispelled the notion that he can't throw deep, just like he dispelled the notion that he couldn't play with Tyreek Hill because he didn't have the arm for it. That he can't stay healthy. Dispel, that he can't stay healthy. I had to argue with someone this year, I think it was week eight. So, oh, you don't think two is injury prone? You're stupid. I'm like, no, I don't think he's injury prone. His injuries had nothing to do with being prone to injury. It was just head trauma. It was traumatic hits to the head multiple times back to back. Anybody will have to be in concussion protocol when that happens. His, his hip hasn't been an issue since he got surgery. His ankle hasn't been an issue since he got surgery. Like, he's not frail, especially after he bulked up. So it's nice if you can start moving around a little more. I think they made it a point to make sure they, they rammed into his head, hey, just be safer. Last year, I remember he would try to overextend plays even when there was nothing there, and that put him in positions, awkward positions, where he would land awkwardly and get injured. So I think that that was something that was ramped into his head. Hey, like, let's just be safe and be safer. Hopefully this year he opened up a little bit more. He feels more comfortable. And we, we can see his potential continue to improve. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, you could be disappointed with the way the season ended. We, we could have a five-hour-long podcast as to why the season ended the way it did, why certain plays happened, why certain picks were thrown. It's football at the end of the day. It's not going to be perfect. It never will be. Yep. Eric, any uh, final thoughts before we call it a close here because we're getting close to an hour? Yeah, so um, just to address uh, Cap for Life one more time because he was asking about moves. 
I think it's really interesting when you hear what McDaniel has said about the off about this offseason and how much that they want to lean into player development. Um, they've been talking about we want guys that are going to develop players. So it kind of leads you to believe that maybe there's not going to be the big splashy move this year, um, which isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, you look at guys like Julian Hill at tight end and Chris Brooks at running back and Eric Azukama at wide receiver, uh, Cam Smith on the defensive side, Channing Tindall as well on the defensive side. These are guys that can be contributors for this team if developed properly. If there's, a, if there's, and, and, you know, Chris not completely off the hook, if there is anything to be developed in those guys, um, you know, and so. That's that's what I would look for this season is a lot more of internal development kind of along the edges and hoping that you get better health along the way because they really did have awful injury luck, especially down the stretch. Any final thoughts, Andy? No, I think we've all, we've hit that on the head of the nail on the head, and you know, there's nothing much more to to say. I think the defense hopefully will, will take will take a leap, another leap as as it did this year. With some continuity, hopefully we get our pass rushers back for the whole year. Hopefully our pass rushers can survive into the postseason. I think that was a very important recipe. One of the most important recipes in football is your pass rush. The offensive line could could stabilize. The and I feel like it's crazy. We had the best offense in the NFL, one of the best offense in Miami Dolphins history, NFL history, and the offense can still. There's so many ways that it could keep evolving and growing and be even more lethal it's very exciting when you look at it that way it's very exciting when you see that your defense with so many big names can be that much better and that much more lethal physical with just a, a few tweaks here and there it's, it's exciting you know dolphin fans and i think sports fans in general we we quickly become complacent and you know like you can suck for 10 years but the one year you have a good year that's it this has to be the year and you know, every play is heavily scrutinized, unfortunately, in the NFL. But Dolphin fans, enjoy the team you have. It might not last a long time. The cap situation is not very friendly to us. Let's see yeah. how long they could extend that window. But just appreciate this great team you have, this great foundation. But who knows, in, in a year or two, the team could look really, really different, regardless if we make the ultimate goal of the Super Bowl or not. I personally, I, I, I want to agree with you on the take a leap forward on defense, but personally, I just feel like the only way that happens is if players develop because I have a really sinking feeling in my stomach. We're not going to keep Christian Wilkins, and that is going to hurt. It, it just is. And I, I am, I've been screaming at the top of a head, at the top of my lungs ever since the beginning of last off season, saying, "Pay Christian Wilkins, give him whatever he wants because he is the heart and soul." I'm I'm sorry, folks. For those of you who don't, who can't actually watch this, if you're listening audio only, like Andy just has things like flying around in his background. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> it's like it's a dodgeball arena or something. Just trying to keep my dog entertained, like quietly, just throwing his toys around. I know, but it's like like you just kind of like grabbed it from behind you, like like, like a ninja, just like <laughs> I I like I felt it coming. Yeah, bro. It's it's I don't know what to tell you. All right. 
That's going to be it for this show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, for those of you who have not already done so, make sure you're going over to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, and they will match up to $100 on your initial deposit when you sign up. Very easy for you to get it on that. And, of course, if you want to, you can go ahead and get some really cool games using the links in the description below. We are affiliate sponsored by My Nintendo, Sp- uh, My Nintendo Store, the fastest and easiest way to the world of Nintendo. You'll get some awesome bonus items upon making your purchase. So that's going to be it for this show. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you all next week for another episode of Pulse of Fins Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.